Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. One of the best movies I've ever seen is the prize winner of Defiance, Ohio. Has anybody ever seen that? Okay, none of you. All right, so (laughs) you'll have to go out and rent it at Blockbuster after the service today. (laughs) The movie is a true story that happened back in the 1950s about a woman who had 10 kids and is married to a terrible man. And this man does not parent his kids at all. And he drinks a lot. And he drinks the family into a variety of problems and debt. But the mom holds the family together in such a loving and encouraging way. And one of the ways that she would hold the family together is that she would make some money. And the way she make money, this is a true story, by the way, is that she would write jingles for companies that would have contests that promoted their products. And then she would win things like money and a variety of products. Maybe some of you did that back in the day in those competitions. Well, one time she won a freezer and she also was able to have it stocked full of food. And so in the movie, they get all this food out and they start enjoying the dinner together with her kids and and her husband's there. And so they're around the table trying these new delicacies like caviar and her husband is standing up pouting that his wife is winning these products and the kids are enjoying. He's pouting and he's standing up eating spam while they're eating caviar. And he gets so mad that he goes over to the freezer and he starts taking the food out of it and throwing it all outside. She's calm. And she sees all that's happening. She's like, come on, come over here. Come on, come over here. Enjoy this food with us. Come on, come over here. And she scoots over in her chair. She goes, here, sit down next to me and enjoy this food. Here, come on, just calm down and enjoy this food. Now, throughout this entire movie, I'm thinking this. You need to take a baseball bat and whack that guy. Because consistently throughout the movie, he is horrible, terrible, and yet she's calm and she's faithful throughout the whole time. It's amazing how I just was watching it just in awe. And you think to yourself, and I think to myself, man, it's impossible for us to respond that way when the world is acting that way against us. It's, It's impossible to be faithful when we get pressed. But what we're going to see from the Word of God this morning is that even when we are pressed, we can still be faithful. That God wants us to be faithful no matter what is happening. He wants us to be faithful to Jesus and his purposes to us, even when circumstances, people, and our hearts are screaming just the opposite. And I understand that it feels like it's impossible it's impossible to be sharing your faith with someone when they're when they are being aggressive against you. Maybe you find it um, impossible to continue to love people who don't love you back. Maybe you find it impossible, like, man, I, I got to show up again tomorrow and be faithful to my wife, be faithful to my husband, and I'm not going to get any of that back. Or I got to show up to a job that is just not working for me at all, and I got to be faithful to show up. 
We think that's impossible to do. How in the world are we supposed to do that? How can we, as believers, as Christians, continue to show up, wake up tomorrow, and persevere throughout the day in faithfulness? How is that possible? And the answer is, is Jesus. Look to Jesus. Think about Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be consumed with Jesus. And the thing that we're going to say over and over again today is that you really can't fix your circumstances. And oftentimes you can't fix the way people are messing with you. And even your own flesh and heart are going to be screaming out. But you can be faithful and look into Jesus. Let's see how that's possible. Look at Hebrews. We're in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. The first word in Hebrews 3, chapter 1, verse 1 says, therefore. The word therefore points backwards to all that has happened in chapters 1 and 2. It's God's superior ultimate revelation that has come through his son. So for a moment here, let me tell you a little summary here of chapter 1 and 2, and I'm going to tip you off here. I'm about to talk about Jesus. So heads up, listen to this. Chapters 1 and 2 talked about the Son. He is the heir of all things, which means he is going to inherit everything. He's the one that has created the universe, and he's the one who sustains it all. The reason why you're not disintegrating this morning because Jesus is holding you together along with the rest of this universe. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, which means that Jesus is God. In addition, Jesus is superior to the angels, and he's superior to the prophets. However, we learn from the Hebrews that for a while, he took on flesh and became a little lower than the angels. He came down this earth and he was the great God man and he bore your sin on the cross, was buried and he rose again and he ascended to the right hand of the father and he has rendered Satan powerless, removes the fear of death for believers, is a sacrifice atonement that takes away sin and bears the wrath of God. Basically what we're saying is that Jesus is our hero. He is our hero that came to save the day, but he doesn't save us in a detached way, right? We learned about this. He's connected with us. He didn't just come in, swoop in, save the day, see you later. No, he is continually with us and he helps us in our times of suffering. So basically what we've been saying in chapters one and two, we have the superior, ultimate, Jesus Christ, son of God, who's greater than anything else and he is worth following and persevering. Therefore, for this reason, because of all that Jesus is, we're gonna see in chapter three, throughout the rest of the book, there is to be a certain response. And that response is one of faithfulness. The point of the whole book was to fuel the faith of the Hebrews to get them to remain faithful to the Lord to the end because their faithfulness was being challenged by their circumstances. I mean, how would you act if people started stealing your property? That's what was happening to some of the Hebrews. Their property was being confiscated for being believers. In addition to that, they were facing persecution and insults. In addition to that, their heart was tempted to run after a variety of sinful ways. And so the author motivates them to faithfulness. Were the Hebrews going to be faithful or were they going to bail on Jesus? And point of today, chapter three, verses one through six, is that faithfulness is fueled by fixing your thoughts on the faithful one. Faithfulness is fueled by fixing your thoughts on the faithful one. Now you may think, People don't really still fall away from Jesus, do they? People that go to church their whole lives, pastors, they don't fall away from Jesus, do they? And I want to tell you this. You can profess Christ, you can go to church, you can be baptized, and you can bail. 
One of my favorite pastors is Chuck Swindoll. He was my uh, president at Dallas Seminary when I was there back in the day. I read on Friday that his son has bailed on the faith. Not just bailed on the faith, but like used to be on staff with Chuck at church. And now he's bailed to the point where he's writing a book. He's got podcasts. He's actively against the faith. A few months before that, I read about John Piper's son doing the exact same thing. Here are guys that grew up with the fathers, preaching the word, grew up in these godly households, and bailed. I've seen people turn their backs on Jesus. This is real. This still happens today. And I want to preach it with such urgency the same way the Hebrews would have received it. Continue on in faithfulness. Don't bail. Let's just see what he says, all right? You ready for this? Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. It says we are addressed here, as you see it there, as, as brethren and sisterin. We've been called from heaven by God to salvation. We are holy because Jesus has made us holy by his perfect life and death on the cross. And, and as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we have this heavenly calling. And the heavenly calling call, comes from heaven to heaven. So the Father calls us from heaven and he takes us to heaven. And that is made by Jesus Christ. And all of us together, it says we are to consider Jesus. Maybe your version says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Think of him. Notice him. Look at him. Observe him. And be aware of him. I mean, there is so much in this world to fix your thoughts on, to look at, to notice, and to be aware of. Like when we want to get better at something, we will naturally fix our thoughts on that something. When you want to get better at golf, then you'll fix your thoughts on all those things that are important to be better. If you want some new clothes, you'll get online and fix your thoughts on those. If you want a cure for what's ailing you, you're going to diligently look and fix your thoughts on what can bring you a cure. But what do you fix your thoughts on and consider when you're struggling spiritually, when you need to persevere? You fix your thoughts on Jesus. You look at him through the eyes of faith. You fix your heart and your thoughts on him, and that fuels faithfulness. One of the things I would say is I want to tip you off to something. Did you know that it's possible that your mind can be controlled in a way that you're unaware of? I would say that a lot of people in our world, and even some in here, your mind is controlled by an algorithm. You're like, well, I don't even know what an algorithm is, so it's not controlling my mind. Well, an algorithm, you could say, is a a technological formula that stokes your fears and anger and consumes your thoughts. I'm just trying to tell you that when you go online or you're on your phone and you, you read an article, the algorithm kicks in and starts feeding you similar articles. Do, do you, did you know that? Did you know that? And it starts consuming your mind. And so let me give you an example. I want to just, let me give you an example of something that's not very controversial, okay? Let's talk about the vaccine. <laughs> Right? Okay, so you get online and you're reading an article about that vaccine. It says, it says the vaccine is the mark of the beast. You're like, whoa, is that really true? Algorithm kicks in. It starts feeding you more and more articles. Wow, it is the mark of the beast. Oh, my goodness. Ah. And that's all you're seeing. You're all feed. It's that all, that's the same article. You're not hearing anything else. 
But let's say you read another article that says all the problems in the world have to do with the unvaccinated. And then the feeds, all articles and your mind is consumed like, yeah, the unvaccinated, they are our problems everywhere. We got to eliminate the unvaccinated. That's how it works. Lots of different topics, lots of different subjects. It's consuming your mind and you think, wow, I just read something. And then boom, the feed keeps hitting you with the same ideas over and over again. And before long, you don't even know what's going on. You don't even know what you're thinking. And the idea here is fix your thoughts on Jesus. We have an algorithm. And guess what? When you read one part about Jesus, you read another part, it's going to be about Jesus. And it's going to keep feeding you the same thing. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Well, let's consider the two ideas he has here in verse one about fixing your thoughts on Jesus. He's called the apostle and high priest of our confession. These are two summary descriptions of Jesus from chapter one and two. The first is the apostle, which refers to the one who is sent, just as the apostle was sent by his father down to earth on a mission of salvation through suffering and death on the cross. And this mission of salvation through suffering leads to the second term. You see it there, high priest. Jesus is the faithful high priest who removes our sin and bears the wrath of God. These two descriptions should consume our thoughts, his life, and his redemptive work. He is our high priest and he is our apostle. And we hold fast to him. He is our confession and we fix our thoughts on him. Well, let's continue on, right? Verse 2. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. You see the little comparison that's going on here between Jesus and Moses? Moses is mentioned to highlight Jesus. In the past, when a person was compared with someone very popular, it was called amplification, and the comparison was one of praise. Jesus is compared to Moses to amplify or magnify Jesus. And the content of the comparison between Jesus and Moses was how, get this, they were both faithful to God who sent them on a mission. And what we're going to see is both of them, Moses and Jesus, both faced opposition, and yet they both persevered in faithfulness through the opposition, which is setting a pattern as well for you. Let's first consider Moses. It says that Moses was also in his house. He was faithful in God's house. If you're taking any notes, you're thinking, what does it mean his house? What's well, just talking about the people of God. You got that? The house equals the people of God, Israel. And Moses was a faithful servant. Now Moses faced opposition. And this verse right here comes from Numbers 12.7, where God is speaking about how Moses is faithful in all God's house. Now, if you know the context of Numbers uh, chapter 12, it's Miriam and Aaron are griping and complaining about Moses. They're basically saying, what's so special about Moses? Hasn't God spoken through us at all? And in this con- context of opposition from Moses, against Moses, it says of, of him that he was faithful and commended over all God's house. He was a faithful man of God. And he faced a lot of problems and opposition. And Hebrews is not concerned with his failures, but with his faithfulness. Once again, the comparison is to amplify Jesus. 
Moses was faithful, Jesus much more so. He was faithful over God's house. And both of them had this faithfulness in the face of opposition. And in this opposition, God requires us to be faithful. All right, let me kind of put this to you again. I'm referring back to that movie that all of you have not seen uh, about the woman from the 50s who was faithful when her husband was a fool. was a drunken fool, not faithful at all. There's one scene where she is bringing in uh, milk bottles. Now think about this. You've heard the concept, don't cry over spilled milk. This woman never cried over spilled milk. Things could be going wrong all around her. She wouldn't freak out. And the question is, well, what would happen if you, rather than seeing spilled milk, you actually fell into the milk? Would you cry then? So she's bringing in these like six jugs in the 50s, glass. She's bringing him into the house and her husband's like being his crazy self. Oh, let me help you because he's feeling guilty about his drunken fist. Let me help you. And she's like, no, no, I got it. And in their little struggle just to get into the house, the milk jugs all start to fall in slow-mo onto the ground, crash, glass, milk everywhere, slow-mo, she falls into it. And you start to see milk and blood mixed together. Now, the woman who never cries over spilled milk fell into it. How is she going to respond now? She gets up. She's bleeding, but she's calm. She says, please, take me to the hospital. And I watch that movie, and I'm thinking, get a bat. Smack that dude. How do you act like that? That's impossible. And yet we see in the scriptures the faithfulness of Jesus being whipped and beaten and cursed at, faithful. And you may be thinking, well, are you just saying that Jesus is our example? Of course not. He's more than our example. Down on the cross for us, forgive us our sins, but he's also our example to follow in his footsteps. He was the faithful one over God's house, his people. He continued and pressed through the opposition. We too can be faithful no matter what's going on. Let the argument continue. Let, let's let the argument continue, all right? Look at verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. Therefore, I'm sorry, for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. Oh boy, the comparison just broke there. Okay, the continuity of Jesus and Moses and the faithfulness. Now it's discontinuity where Jesus is superior to Moses. Once again, we got this house imagery, which is the people of God. And over the people of God, Moses was faithful, but Jesus was even more faithful. And the, uh, the, uh, the argument's going to be this. Moses was faithful in the house of God. Jesus was faithful over the house of God. Look at the imagery. Verse 5. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. Oh, okay, wait, what does that mean? Moses was faithful and he was reliable in God's house. So he was a leader. He trusted the Lord in the midst of all the opposition. He was faithful. But what does it mean for a testimony of those things which will be spoken later? Somehow, in some way, I don't all understand that Jesus, I mean, that Moses, he's pointing ahead to Christ, to God's ultimate revelation in these last days. Uh, we get something like this in, in the book of John, tells us. John chapter 5. Uh, verses 46 and 47. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? 
How did Moses write about Jesus or testify about what would be said about Jesus in the future? Well, I think some of it has to do with the law, the Old Testament law that was given through Moses that he wrote down. And in the law, sin is revealed and pointed forward to a redeemer, to Christ, to Jesus, and the necessity of his sacrifice for salvation. And we'll, we'll see that more as we go to the book uh, of Hebrews. But we just get the point here. Moses was faithful in God's house. Verse 6. Verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house. So Moses was a servant in God's house and that he was part of uh, God's people. But Jesus is a son over God's house and that he rules over God's people. Jesus is not only superior to Moses because he rules over people, but he, he created God's people. In his finished work and redemption on the cross, we are his people and he rules over us. He's not only the heir of all things, but he's the one who is ruling us as the church. He's the faithful one over. So our thoughts are not to be on Moses, as awesome as he is. He's still a foul man. We're to fix our thoughts on Jesus. Looking toward Jesus, thinking about Jesus, considering Jesus is to fuel faithfulness. He was faithful. How about you? Jesus was faithful. How about you? Now, I'm going to share something with you that I don't, I don't ever like to talk about or bring attention to because I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. But um, I've been thinking a lot about my life and faithfulness. And one of the days that I do that more than any other day of the year is on my birthday. And tomorrow I, I turn 50. And, and I'm not telling you that to get me presents, but if you must... If you must give me presents, I want popcorn and donuts, not from the trash. <laughs> Refer back to last week's sermon, um, and I'll pass those on to my kids. But on my birthdays, I just get weird. I start examining my life more than normal. I get more uh, introspective more than normal. And, and I just see what is going on. And I, and I look out, and I try to examine everything inward and, and outward. And, and there's so much that I'm learning, and it's this. This is what I'm learning. There's so much in my life that I cannot control. And there is so much in my life that I can't fix. But I can be faithful. And there is so much in your life that you cannot control and you can't fix. But you can show up and you can be faithful. No matter what's against you or who's against you, you can show up and be faithful. And that's the very last clip they give us at the end of verse 6. Do you see it there? Verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. We are a part of God's house if. You are a part of God's people if. It's a conditional statement. We are part of God's people if we walk down the aisle of a church when we were 10 and gave our life to Christ, if we got saved at a church camp in our teen years, if we went through confirmation class and professed Christ, if we gave a testimony before the church before we were baptized, does all those things make us a part of God's family? Maybe. But what does the condition say? If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. This is a conditional statement of being in God's family and sharing in Christ. 
It's based upon the condition of perseverance. And the goal of this conditional statement is to propel you into the future. It's not to make you sit there and doubt your salvation and scare you to death. It is to spur you on. The author addresses them as holy brothers, holy sisters. He includes himself. He gives this warning. Continue on in faithfulness like Christ did. And you're part of God's family if, and we fall back on God's grace and know that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he perseveres us. And yet we still see these warning signs to us as a means to our perseverance if it makes us keep following Jesus for another day which means we show up here this morning and we look at Jesus. And Jesus propels faithfulness. We look at the faithful one to spur us on to further faithfulness over and over and over again. And you may think, yeah, but it's impossible. I want stuff to get better. Well, at the very end of that movie, she's sitting down with her older daughter and her older daughter is talking to her about how she persevered through all that time with her husband. and, And she said, you think he's ever going to change? And the wife said, nope, but I want to be faithful. And that's amazing. To tell you here this morning that your circumstances may never change, but you can be faithful. Marriage may never get better, but you can be faithful. In fact, you may want to get married and you can't, but you can be faithful. Things are not working out with your health. Doesn't seem to be getting better. You can still be faithful. Your job is just so messed up. It's not getting better. Show up tomorrow and be faithful. Your circumstances may never change, but you can look to Christ and be faithful. Have you ever said to yourself, yeah, but I can't do this the rest of my life. I can't keep doing this. Something's got to change. I can't do it. Now, I've said that three times and thought it a thousand. And the first time I said it, when I was in my 20s, a new believer, I was taking care of my grandmother, not knowing what I was doing. In and out of the hospitals. I don't know what I'm doing with her medical owner. I have no clue what I'm doing. I can't do this the rest of my life. Isn't there someone else to do it? Nope. Second time I thought it, I was living in Los Angeles. My first church there, had a seminary, everything's going to go great. Not going so great. I can't do this the rest of my life, forget it. And the third time was I was also in Los Angeles and I got this church that's very difficult and I have two young kids in diapers and I'm not sleeping well and I'm kind of juggling a couple of jobs and, and I don't know if you've ever had this before, but the marriage is not going so great. And I'm like, I can't do this the rest of my life, forget it. And so I went to go see this guy, a godly man. And I said, man, I, this is, I cannot keep this up the rest of my life. And, and I said, I can't do it the rest of my life. And here's what he said to me. He said, you don't have to. You don't have to. He said, just do it for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't worry about 10 years from now or 20. You can show up today and be faithful today. Tomorrow's going to have plenty of worries. I can deal with it then. But today is a day of trust and faith as on Jesus. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today. Today is a day of faithfulness as we look to the faithful one. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org 
or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.